BYOT. Bring your own tacos. Dick swinging. Swinging. You're listening to American Slacker Podcast. We can say fuck. We can say fuck. With Matthew Gertz and Jesse Landers. I don't care. I've been smoking. This is cool. That's a decent amount of sausage. This man you know needs what? a doctor. Yeah. I just hope they're tasty. What's up with these clowns, man? Cut the lights and went through people's pockets. Don't you point that at each other. Let them smoke a little. You need to like step it up to that point. <laughs> we're not gonna. We're not gonna lead with the. We're not gonna lead. Uh, <laughs> We were referred to you by Aaron, our, our good yeah. friend from the SNIM podcast. How, how do you know him? Uh, we're both improvisers at the People's Improv Theater, and he and I are in a group called Gritty Reboot, where we ask the audience what, they, what movie or TV show they want to see a gritty reboot of, and then we improvise whatever they say. So we've done movies like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Babe, and we did uh, Malcolm <laughs> in the Middle and Handmaid's Tale recently, so that was really fun. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. And he also said that you, you're, you're in New York now um, where, where Aaron's mm-hmm. also located, but you used to live uh, over here on the West Coast right? where I'm at. Well, I definitely, I definitely bounced back and forth. Um, I lived there for about five years. I moved there when I was oof, 19 years old. Okay. Uh, that's close to 10 years ago at this point. So that's crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, I was 19 when I moved to California and the, uh, by the end of the first year of me living there, I was working for LA Speedweed, which is the big reason why you guys have me on is to talk about my crazy experience working with, um, what was, uh, no longer is, but what was probably the number one delivery service in California at that time. Wow. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. So that was, was early cool on yeah, I was a I was a kid. I was a baby um, when I moved out there, and uh, kind of how I got linked up with them. I was a, a a server, a waitress at a diner in Toluca Lake, and okay. one of the owners used to come in all the time with her son, and they would sit at the counter, and they would uh, he would get a burger with just ketchup, bun, and meat. That's it, and she would get a glass of Chardonnay. And we would chat and she knew I was an actress um, and was unhappy working the waitressing life. So she very kindly gave me her number and said, I have a new job opportunity that will be opening up. We should let me take you to lunch and talk to you about it a little bit. So I said, yes, she took me to lunch and told me about uh, how they were going to be opening this uh, casting studio, casting director workshop studio. Um, it was going to be really hands-on and really fun. And the only other thing that you'll need to know is we're also running a weed delivery service out the back door. Oh, wow. um, and I, I had this moment of like, okay, well, I can say no to this because that's what most people would do, right? This is like the scary choice, the unsure choice. You could say no. And, you know, the weed was legal at the time uh, medically. And, and the company, LAC Weed, was 100% legal. Um, as I'm sure you guys know, California is weird though. It lives in this like gray area where the wild west, as I like to call it, where yeah, it's like not, sure. it wasn't technically illegal, but you know, county to county people could get really up in arms about you having a dispensary or a storefront. So the loophole is that uh, delivery service is not a storefront. People invite us to their homes. 
So very uh -huh. technically, we could exist in counties that otherwise uh, dispensaries could not exist. Oh. Um, so so I, I got in my car after our meeting, after seeing the space, uh, where everything was going to be operating out of. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes when most would say no and just kind of go for it and see where this wild little adventure takes me. And, and five years later, I was, uh, working with probably 40 to 50 drivers and other employees working beneath me. I was the number two in charge outside of the three owners. Um, and running four offices, four satellite offices across Southern California. Wow. Rise yeah. through the ranks. So that, That's impressive. Yeah. Oh, I was there. Beside, it was me and um, one driver. We were the first two people that the, these three owners hired when they, when they were, got to a point where like, okay, we need help. We need to hire people to kind of be involved. It can't just be us doing it anymore. Um, and it, so I was there right from the beginning. Um, and yeah, it was a crazy fun. It was just fun, honestly. Like, again, because California is this weird uh, middle ground with the weed industry, we always kind of had a front. And I put that very loosely in quotes because I, it wasn't just like this fake business that was operating to like launder money through. It was very much all of the businesses they did in conjunction with Speedweed were very legal and very real and were taken very seriously. At one point, um, we were in an office space in Burbank that the, the warehouse was where Speedweed was running out of and in the front was a podcast studio that uh, Playboy Radio rented out and we did their last year of Playboy Radio uh, through Sirius in the podcast studio. So I was uh, an engineer for a bunch of the shows, De uh, Debbie's Playground, which was uh, Debbie Diamond. If ever, anybody knows, you know, Debbie does Dallas. That was okay, her uh, and her show. Yeah, it was pretty fucking wild. Um, really just like porn stars in and out all day long. Um, a lot of play bunny, like playmates coming through all day long while at the same time uh, running an edible company and a weed delivery service out of the warehouse. <laughs> so it was, a, like crazy. I said, just like a really crazy time in my life. You, you were wearing a lot of hats for sure. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, yeah, that's kind of my thing. I like to do a lot. I like to be involved. <laughs> Jack of all trades. Very nice. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to American Slacker Podcast. As always, I'm Matt. And I'm Jesse, and as we uh, named before, this is our guest, Kimberly Alou, and uh, wow, many, yeah. many <laughs> I have to say. Yeah, 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 very interesting. Uh, yeah, I joke all the time I'm eventually going to write a TV show about it because, I mean, only weeds can rival the stories that I could tell. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> what do you guys want to know? I don't even know where to start. I just gave you a quick crash course in how I got involved in the company. So, well, what I want to know, like, what kind of made you leave uh, the weed industry uh, and and hop over to the East Coast eventually? Well, uh, after investing close to five years of like, as as anyone who's in the weed industry seriously knows, it's a full time job. It is. Whether you're in the office or not, if you're going to have a successful marijuana business, it's, it's taken just as seriously as anything else. And it's long hours and it's your entire life. And I, when I moved out to California, I wanted to be an actor and a writer and, and I still do. And I was 
24 by the time that I left the company. And I, it was kind of that moment of, wow, I moved out here to do this thing and I got wrapped up in this other thing. And it's not even what I really want to be doing at the end of the day. So I think I need to kind of like drastically remove myself from the world for a little while and, and refocus my energies on like the real reasons I came out here and the real yeah. things that, you know, feed my soul and make me very happy. That yeah, being said, I loved it so much. And um, I really enjoyed working in weed. I just wish I hadn't been so uh, uh, heavily involved. I will say this, the big, the big shift for me, and if I really had to go back and pinpoint when the downward slope started, was uh, when, I was tw when I was about 22, 23 years old working for the company, we had um, a robbery uh, that was oh, an inside wow. job. And uh, that was an inside job. And it was, um, I was the first person in the space after I was the one who discovered that it had happened. And it was a very uh, intense and scary morning. Um, and I had had a lot of those types of experiences while working in the industry. Again, it's the Wild West in California. So it's not like people think about in Colorado, right? How it's so regulated and, and lovely. And it's not this scary industry anymore. Um, but, you know, I have memories of being in LA and having like 18 to 20 pounds worth of weed in the trunk of my car and being Which like, thousands Geez, I dollars. really hope I, yeah, I really hope I don't get pulled over mm -hmm. or slash like run off the road by someone who might be following me from the grower's yeah. house. Yeah. So it was, um, it's a lot of anxiety that goes with it. And then when you have that kind of breach of trust within a company, so not only were we robbed, but to have, it be someone who worked for us for many years who we considered to be right up there with us. Um, and then to really be able to do nothing about it because at the time you couldn't call the cops because they would just laugh at you yeah. and go, okay, so you got hit up too bad. Never mind. It was like a $250,000 loss between Jeez. product and money. That'll you sink know? a business and it was, right there. Yeah. yeah. It's a business. That's the thing. It was a, we were, it was a tough hit. Um, and I think in, at that point, that's when the trust really started to fall apart amongst the owners and even between me and the owners and, and the owners and the rest of the staff. And it just felt like um, things just started to get really hard to be able to complete projects or be able to take these big steps that before were exciting and we wanted to do them. We wanted to do all this stuff. And then once you go through an experience like that, all of a sudden, it's really tough to move past it and regroup and, and feel like you haven't missed a beat because you definitely do. And I think a lot of people who work in the weed industry are going through this kind of stuff all the time. I have friends uh, that work for Cushfly that they experienced a robbery recently that like was devastating and they managed to bounce back and they're doing phenomenally now. But, you know, I think there's a lot of owners in the weed industry out there that go through this that are like dealing with a um a huge setback that they can't really like publicly talk about or even go to the police about they have to deal with it on their own which keeps the weed industry in the wild west territory so yeah. it forces you to kind of like 
You know, I don't know if that makes sense. Am I rambling? Well, yeah, I might be rambling. I've, I've yeah. heard people talk about, like, people who aren't on really the side of legal cannabis say, like, oh, well, I don't want a dispensary in my backyard because then there'll be people robbing it. It's like, mm. that's, you're looking at it yeah. the wrong way. Like, it's like yeah. people shouldn't be robbing yeah. it in the first place. And, like, it shouldn't be bringing that kind of heat if, if it had the support of law enforcement. And, you know, Listen, I don't hear, I don't hear that complaint from people when, when like a liquor store opens up across right? the street yeah. from them. But, but you know, and, and the reason that that like that, that people don't walk into a liquor store and rob a liquor store is because the cops take that as a serious crime versus what is still kind of happening, which is cannabis is already in law enforcement's brains, whether they want to admit it or not. It's been drilled into them that cannabis is just as illegal as heroin, as meth, as yeah. these like horrendous mm. drugs. Um, so if there is a cannabis related crime, whether or not you, what, whatever side you might be on for that cannabis crime, you are still going to be the bad guy. So whether yeah. you are like the, the business owner who just got robbed, you're still being treated as a criminal in that situation. Um, and that's never going to change until you know, we start doing things like that have happened in, in Colorado and, and Washington, and we're taking these bigger steps to, like, combat the general um, outlook on it. We're, the reefer madness is never going to go away until, like, we as a society start to, like, decide <laughs> as a hive mind that, like, oh, it's not as addictive as these other terrible drugs. It's, it's actually this, like, lovely organic grown thing out of the earth. Um, yeah bring it out of the shadows so that people don't, yeah. you know, stigmatize it as much. It's amazing how like a lot of the general population, you could even just go out and ask, still think that marijuana just like makes you stupid, lazy, all the, the above it's addictive. And it's just like, well, actually, mm -hmm. no, you're wrong there. It's not addictive. It doesn't make you lazy. If you know, like it's just, it's amazement. The, the stigma is still very, very much out there. Absolutely. I mean, I, I have friends who are, you know, in their, all over the 20s spectrum, right? So like from their early 20s all the way to their late 20s who've grown up like in all different parts of the country and the world and have their own views. On, and one of my favorite things I hear from people when they talk about weed is like, oh, I, it just makes me so paranoid. I like freak out. And then when I start to explain to them like the difference in strains, like how yeah. there's an indica and a sativa and a hybrid sometimes and, oh, well, if you eat edibles, that's very different than if you just smoke a joint. And it's it's amazing how open people become to the idea of like oh well oh okay well maybe I will try that or like oh that that doesn't sound as scary anymore or even when you just break down the difference in like THC and CBD I have a few friends um, with parents who are going through like some pretty horrific uh, chemo right now cancer treatments and mm -hmm. um, when I tell them like hey you can get CBD products uh, like you can just get them that's decriminalized like in a lot of these like I'm in New York and I have family and friends in New Jersey and getting them these products these edibles or like these vape pens that have the CBD product in it you can see the the difference and like they come to me and they're like oh my god you my mom can eat again because she had this vape she wasn't be able like the chemo made it impossible for her to eat and now she's gaining some weight back and it's That's like, amazing. these are the things, this is what I wish the conversation was mm. when cannabis came up. It's like, I get it. You know, I know plenty of people who are against alcohol, but they're not protesting bars. 
So I don't right. understand the, the stigma of like, you don't have to be for it, but don't mm-hmm. try and take it away from the people who may need it, who may really need it. It's a lot of, uh, it's, it's lack of education about mm-hmm. the topic and, or, and yeah. misinformation being put out there by people who don't want it, you know, legal. Yeah. 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 I mean, when, well, I mean, really, that, cause that's the other thing we can bring it back to like uh, pharmaceuticals, right? Like a, a pharmaceutical company, uh, like the ones that produce Xanax or um, any of these other like very addictive, like calming drugs or pain relief drugs, like Vicodin, these, it's been proven that uh, pharmaceuticals lead to harder drug use more than if you were just smoking a joint. Like if, if oh, I'm yeah. prescribed I mean, Vicodin. Yeah, when the biggest opioid crisis in, in, in ever, ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As soon as that, <laughs> they're not getting prescribed the, that, that pill anymore, they're going to go to the streets and they're going to go to fucking heroin or, you know, meth, whatever exactly, it is. Exactly, because you know, heroin is so much cheaper than a pharmaceutical. And that's the thing. And that it, so you turn to these harder drugs because you're craving that, that addictive quality versus like you can get those same medicinal things out of smoking a joint or eating a, a gummy bear or a brownie. Made yeah, with like indica, yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, I've I've had like experience with like you know edibles and smoking, and and just in terms of pain relief for my shoulder, mm-hmm. which I've had surgery mm-hmm. on before. It's just it's yeah. it's a world of difference. So anyone who's far oh, yeah. worse off than just some shoulder pain, nausea, you know, headaches. I mean, you name it. And it, it's good to see that. Like, I mean, on our show, we cover. Uh, one cannabis uh, news related thing each each episode usually. Mm-hmm. So it's it's nice to see a lot of these states sort of turning places like North Dakota possibly yeah. putting it on their ballot coming up. Um, it's I've been exciting. saying it for years that like I feel like the big the biggest thing that is stopping like total decriminalization really each like really federally on a federal legal or federal level be able to um, start to look at weed as something that is no longer an illegal substance is the fact that we can't do a, like, we can't do a road test, right? So like that mm-hmm. to me is the biggest thing that's holding it back is once we're able to figure out a way to like find out if someone who is behind a motor vehicle, like behind the wheel of a motor vehicle is fucked up for lack of a better word, who just smoked a joint or just hit mm-hmm. the bong, like, once we can get to that point, then I think you're, we're going to see like a very rapid increase in state to state to state, then maybe even on a federal level, just like, okay, this is no longer uh, a prohibition, right? Because that's all that it is. You're several, living in prohibition. There's several in um, Europe has a technology, few. right? No, like technology being worked on right now. Hound Labs, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Cannabis Technologies. Uh, I saw an article the other day that was saying there was one that, could test that if you've smoked uh, within two hours, I believe. That's pretty good. That's pretty so, I mean, good. And, you know, part of me was pissed because it's like, I know how much <laughs> I can smoke, you know, and then blah, 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 blah. But, but then at the you same sound time, like, but now you sound like the guy who's drinking. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. I get it. I get it. I had that thought too. And I was like, you know, yes, there needs to be some responsibility to it. So if, if that's, that's all it is, that's is the limit, sure, that's, that's reasonable. You know, that's just when you buy cold medicine over the counter, it says it right on there. Like if you take X amount, like do not operate heavy machinery, right? Like that's so even if we want to look at at cannabis continually as this medicinal thing, there's still going to be parameters that go around it. You know, like you can't pop 
two Xanax and then go fly a plane. Like you'll <laughs> crash the plane. Oh God, so yeah. it's, that's all it, to me. It's just like, okay, if we want to treat this at a very federal, like realistic level, if, if the stoners out there and the weed culture out there wants to be taken seriously, then we, we have to accept the fact that like, there has to be a legal be a approach to it. <laughs> it's not a party. That's the thing. It's not yep. like, you know, Moms Against Drunk Driving, right? MAD, that MAD organization made it possible for a lot of people. Uh, there were a lot of kids who were dying from over drinking, from getting behind the wheel of a vehicle. I would like, love it. if the I love the fact that the weed industry is like, you know what? Let's, before we get uh, legal, let's take a pro an approach to this where the least amount of people are going to get hurt. The, the most value is going to be extracted from this. Definitely. Um, yeah. The uh, yeah. the comedian Jim Jeffries has a line that says, you know, we're we only go as fast as the slowest person. So so we yeah. gotta set that bar very, very you know, with a wide margin. So mm -hmm. that it's the person who takes that dab the first time that doesn't get behind the wheel and not someone who's Oh my god smoking all their Can life. Can I tell you the <laughs> the first time I ever dabbed in my life was at a cannabis cup in California. Oh I went oh my god, I went with with Speedweed, we had a, a booth. We were doing promo. I had been, you know, I was a smoker. I'd smoke all day while I worked in the office. So I'm like thinking, oh, I, I know what I'm doing. So I'm wandering around this convention. I go to some booth and I'm talking to these girls and we're talking about weed. And one of them goes, oh, do you want to dab? And I was like, I don't know what that is, but sure. And so <laughs> they, they dabbed me. I was out of commission for 12 hours. Oh, no. 12 uh, hours. I was, I was supposed to be finishing this event, working this, the other girl that was working with me, I was like, I'm so sorry. I have to sleep in this car or I'm going to die. Like I can't. So yes, let's avoid people getting behind the wheel after dabbing for the first time. Right. Yeah. That's a whole different thing right there. Oh, <laughs> How do you guys feel about dab culture, actually? Because I find it pretty fascinating. Um, you know, the, the, that part of the weed world, I find is what scares people away yeah, from weed. Like this idea of like wax and it's like there's this well, rig involved and you have a torch and it just feels yeah. more like drug-like rather than... Yeah. I could see that because it's closer yeah. to like a meth pipe or something. I think that's why people get <laughs> fearful of it is it's like, holy shit, they made crack out of weed now. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, yeah. calm down, calm down. It's just a really big dose of THC. Calm down. Like, I yes. definitely no dabs in driving. Like, uh, people can get away with like smoking <laughs> a joint, you know, and driving and shit. But I feel like as soon as you start dabbing away... Your brain is mm -hmm. shut. Oh down. God! Yeah, no, don't do go that. To bed. <laughs> go, yeah, go lay down. I yeah, yeah, go lay down. I equate <laughs> it to like eating an entire batch of brownies. Like if you made like oh, yeah. a big batch of brownies, uh, you know, weed brownies, and that, and then you forgot that there was weed in them and ate the entire thing, <laughs> and then it all hit you at once. Like that is dabbing. You're just like wrecked right That's off a the good bat. Because like with edibles, I always feel super tired. And like same yes. same with the dab. Dab's like instant, whereas oh, like it would take a while for like a tray of brownies to kick in on me. Yeah. Yeah. It's you just get you just get wrecked, guys. It just wrecks you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean I, I I'm not, you know, someone who does that like often. Mm -hmm. I had a rig at one point, it broke and I wasn't heartbroken. I just kept, you know, smoking grabs and shit. But yeah. um mm -hmm. 
it's like you said before the point you had made about it being kind of intimidating to people from the outside. I could definitely see that. Cause you know, there's a lot of like, like Instagram accounts that are just like crazy glass face mask rigs with like, yes. where someone like drips a sheet of like, yeah, oil into like the, uh, Oh my God. It just, and they, one pound dab, and they, guys. And they look like it didn't affect them at all, which just means their tolerance is through the roof. Yeah. And like, oh, it's not, my younger brother, <laughs> I, come, I come from a family of smokers. Like my, both my, I, I'm sure they're going to love this, but both my parents smoke weed. Like every <laughs> single one of my siblings dabbles in weed. Like me and my younger brother especially are like big cannabis people. Like we can talk about it for days. We're very much into the, like the world. Um, and my younger brother's a big dabber. He's got the whole rig. He's got like three torches, a whole setup in the basement. He's just like so ready to go. Um, and he'll take dabs that are so large that I, I, I look and he won't cough afterwards, which even blows my mind even more. Um, but it's one of those things where it's just like, I, I personally, I don't enjoy being that high. You know what I mean? Like I, I would much rather sit and like, there's that social aspect of smoking, right? Like Mm -hmm. I prefer a blunt or a joint personally, because you Mm -hmm. can like pass it easily. It's like a nice, the whole process of like grinding up the weed and ro- putting it in the paper, the blunt wrap and like rolling it up. And like that whole thing is very relaxing to me. And then to finish it off with this nice, like, and now let's just pass it around the circle and like share in this like nice communal type of experience versus yeah. a dab, which is like, all right, are you ready to get so fucked up? You can't speak. <laughs> Take one hit. Here you go. And it's like, Oh my God. It's like the mad max of smoking. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's just like a guy like on Welcome top to the of an, a, like ATV <laughs> screaming with like fire shoot. <laughs> on the front yeah. of the bong. <laughs> yeah. In, the, yeah. in real Absolutely. life, you just sitting there drooling like out of your mouth. Like, this man done. His like, brain short circuited. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, uh, absolutely a one-two punch with with the dabs, and that that I, I think if people are gonna start out, try joint. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Yeah, like a toke or two. Just take a toke or two and put that shit out if it's your first time. That's the best advice I can yeah. give anybody. Start with yeah, a toke or two, uh, and if you don't feel anything, half an hour later, just another toke or two. <laughs> yeah, don't go overboard because that's what, I mean. Everybody, every body is different, mm-hmm. right? Literally, every body is different. Um, yeah. That's part of the reason why I think like edibles are so scary for a lot of people. It's like, it doesn't matter how much you smoke or like how, even how big of a person you are, how small, mm-hmm. person, like you're, it's just, you're just going to get wrecked. I don't know. Maybe that's oh, just God. me, but like edibles have always just wrecked me. And no matter how small of a dose or how uh. big of a dose. I always end up like naked crying in my bathtub watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Like that's me on edibles every time. Man, see, I'm the complete opposite. I feel like I, I don't feel much at all. I got to say. Because I remember when we were in Anaheim, you were knocked the fuck out off that 100 million. No, I was like, no, we smoked shit. so much weed. First off, I, you had brought a ton listen, of he's trying weed. To be a, listen, he's trying to act cool. He's trying to act cool right now. He's like, no, edibles don't affect me. I'm, no, you know, whatever. I'm not. First off, his, well, he's, that's not, a, he's not a legit source. He was high <laughs> out of his mind, too, because he had all oh, you're saying, on edibles. You're saying it's, uh, okay. It was a buy one, get one, oh, so he had the other one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's true. That Regardless, true. we'll move along. Um, so you, <laughs> you mentioned that you worked at uh, as a podcast engineer uh, as part of the podcast engineer, yeah. weed like thing. How, how exactly was that connected again? 
So that was, so when I first started with Speedweed, we were, we were running uh, Speedweed out of the top, like we had two stories of this little like standalone building off of Quangle West in California. Um, and upstairs was the weed com- company was where all of the deliveries would get packed and sent out with drivers. And on okay. the first floor, it was a casting director workshop. Uh, with, which was a real working casting director workshop. We had a green screen and a voiceover booth and um, we would have casting directors come in and actors like pay 25 bucks to come in and read for them and whatever. Um, and then that transitioned into us moving into once Speedweed was doing well, moving into a bigger space. And uh, one of the owners of Speedweed, he used to work for, Play, for Playboy Radio, for Sirius Radio as an engineer and producer um, this was maybe through four or five years prior to starting Speedweed. And so when we moved into our bigger space, it was really set up to be uh, like a podcast studio or a radio, a radio space, like a radio station, uh, because there was this beautiful big room right in the center uh, with all glass around it. And it was had a little room right off the side. And it was just begging for them to like knock down the wall, put in a glass, screen, turn this one room into the like recording space and the other room would be like the engineer booth. So we did that. We just turned it into a radio station essentially uh, called the Joint Studios. And we had um, some of, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that was the the little nod to it. The people who knew us, who knew that Speedweed was working out of the the, uh, warehouse, out of the back knew like and laughed at the fact that it was oh it's the joint studios weed related that's hilarious um but you know the joint kind of works it's like oh it's the joint come by come hang out and we had um like i said we had like debbie diamond on for her show it was called debbie's playground which was super fun we had gretchen bonaducci i got to uh, engineer her show she was uh, uh wow. bonaducci's ex-wife um and was made famous by that um uh, reality show that they had for a while, but her show was great. It was called Happy Hour with Gretchen Bonaducci, and she would bring on a different bartender who was just tending bar in the city who would make drinks for us, and we would talk about silly things, and she was in a band uh, at the time, and I believe she still is, and so it was super fun. We did a show with Michael DeBar, who's this old-school uh, guitar player who had on Judd Nelson, which was like a dream of mine to meet him. Wow, that's um, wicked. Yeah. And then again, and again, all of this was taking place. Oh, do you guys know who Sam Tripoli is? He's a big yeah. name in, in LA. Yeah, yeah. So we used to do uh, the, yeah. So Sam Tripoli had a show called The Naughty Show. And uh, we recorded that out of our podcast studio. And he also put the show on live at uh, comedy, the comedy store yeah, in, yeah. On, off Why Sunset. Not? So uh, The Naughty Show live was very fun because it was a mashup of comedians, like doing stand up he would bring on pole dancers with portable poles and they would do like a whole <laughs> show. Um, and part of the event was always sponsored by Speedweed. So myself and another lovely lady volunteer who worked for us at the time, we would get dressed up as Canna kitties, the little sexy cat outfits. And okay. we would come out and we would distribute literally like throw to the audience like edibles and joints and we would throw business cards and that was just like one point of the entire show through that show i got to meet sarah silverman and doug benson which was amazing um and they were both very kind and very funny people who 
got very stoned with us backstage, which was great. I was going to say, how many edibles um, did Benson take from you? <laughs> Benson took a whole basket. We made him his old ba- his own basket. When we, nice. we knew he was going to be there, so I was like, oh my God, I want to give Doug Benson a basket of goodies. And he was very touched by it um, and hung out. If you, if you stalk my Instagram far enough down, you can find a picture of the two of us very stoned backstage at the comedy store. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that's the comedy. really cool. Yeah, that's yeah. a hell of a so job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So again, this is why I want to turn my, my stories with Speedweed into a TV show. They're all very weird and random mm. and you end up, you, because, again, because the, the cannabis industry is the way it is in California or it was, hopefully we're now moving now that it is legal. We're moving towards it being better. But you kind, if you want it to be a successful service, you had to have a front in yeah. some weird way because you here's another great story uh th- the first time i had to lie to two police officers when they showed uh-huh. up at our at the joint <laughs> studios uh when they point blank asked me is there a marijuana company running out of the back of this studio and i had to say no officer i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> while implementing emergency call emergency code red with the entire uh-huh. staff of like shut this shit down lock every door in the back Holy shit. Quiet. Um, yeah, because you kind of had to, because even even though it wasn't illegal, they could still raid us. They could still pack up everything and make it very difficult for us to operate. So you had, it was part of the job. And so you asked why I left the industry. It, it was a lot of that of like constant anxiety. So you, you can't, <laughs> yeah, and you can only do it for so long. And I think most people, that's a big reason why they leave the industry in states where it's not completely recreationally illegal, um, because it, it weighs on you and you, you start to like question your morals a little bit of like, Ooh, I was, I just lied to two detectives point blank without blinking an eye. <laughs> what does that <laughs> say about me as a person? You know, it really makes you start to question it. And, you know, it comes from loyalty. (laughs) Thank you. And this is why I'm in New York. So, yeah, you know, I exactly. Yeah. But, you know, I think most of it comes from a sense of loyalty. And this is your company. It was very much my company, too, even though it wasn't, you know, technically it it felt like mine. I had been there from the, the beginning of them starting to make these big steps of becoming bigger and bigger and um, you know, being in charge of like their inventory, literally for every piece of anything that came through there had to go through me first. And like, you know, it was just, it was lovely and wonderful and crazy and scary. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. Honestly, if you have the opportunity to work in the cannabis industry, I say, take it. Cause I, I really think you learn a lot working in an industry that is often viewed as this, like, donor like goofy not taken seriously thing and then you get to see like no it really is a business and it takes a lot and it's a whole it's a whole other world to really kind of like dive into right you think it's just like a grower who like is like a farmer and that's it but no there's like people cutting the buds and and doing the trimming Mm -hmm. and then there's salespeople. there's hr probably Mm -hmm. if you get big enough (laughs) oh yeah There's something for, I mean, now with the way that like, I feel like every year it gets more important, but like the social media stuff and your website and and SEO, like how does your SEO look? When I put in these words, am I going to pop up first on Google? It's like, these are a lot of the things that people don't think about when they say like, oh, I want to work in weed. 
that's great. Go work in weed, but like what specifically and really hone it in. And that's, I mean, hopefully within the next few years, we're going to start seeing a lot of crossover in other industries. Like these people who go to school for like Google SEO or like, um, people who go to school for like website design or social media, like how to become like big on social media, these things will start to kind of glom on to this industry because it is kind of an untapped market. And like Marlboro, Camel, these companies already have patents in place for when it goes federally legal. So it's only smart to kind of try to immerse yourself in it now when you still have the opportunity when these big companies like Starbucks, because you know Starbucks is going to have a whole line of stores once it goes federally legal. You are you're going to have a can of a can of Chino like Ooh, nothing. A little CB, so, CBD latte. Attention. A CBD latte, exactly. I really, I really believe that these bigger companies are already working towards it, and they're just waiting to pull the trigger. So it's like. If you have the opportunity to go move to a state where it's like medically or recreationally legal and it's an industry you're interested in and you want to learn more about it, go do it now. Because soon it's going to be like anything else where you're going to need to have a special degree. You're going to have to go to a four-year college. There isn't going to be this like rough and tumble way of doing it. It's going to become just as difficult as like, okay, I want to go work in a brewery. Okay, you can't just like wander into a brewery and get a job there. Uh, right now you can kind of wander into a dispensary and ask for a job, you know? True. Yeah. Right. They'll start you somewhere. Very yeah. true. And, and, and I'm somewhere. as some states sort of turn over to that, there are those entrepreneurial bunch that sort of stick around Oklahoma, you know, and grab those first yeah. uh, dispensary permits or how it, however it may work, which I mean, and that, if, if that's the plan for people, they should be, you know, doing all that prep work to get ready for yeah. when stuff does move. And if they're not already campaigning to push for that in their state, they should be. See what they can do to help. Yeah. Be the next Google of weed in your state. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. I, you know, people are, people are still so weird about it, but it's like you, if the smart ones were really smart, they, they'd be making these, these little paths now, you know? And I think that True. a lot of the companies that, um, People use state to state, like MedMen is a big one um, that is now really crossing over to all these different states. They are right now on path to be the Starbucks of the weed world once it goes federally legal. They're more like the Apple store, though. Come on. Or the Apple. Yeah, that's a better way of putting it. The Apple (laughs) store. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And it's they and it's I haven't heard smart of approach. What, what is it oh, exactly? I, I went there multiple Med times. Med Med Men. Yeah, no, I'm, Med I'm, Med? In Bay, I'm in the Bay Area, so we have we have a lot of. Uh, like, They're all over LA. Independent ones. They've, yeah, they've got. I know that there's one in like uh, West Hollywood area, like the mm-hmm. WeHo area. That's what I went to. Um, and they have. They have, I believe, three open in the state of New York, and they're getting ready if they haven't already done it, but they're opening one right next to Saks on Fifth Avenue. This is huge. Oh, yeah. This is huge. Wow. And Buffalo and Lake Success. I'm not sure where Lake Success is. That's wild. Yeah, Yeah. it's an amazing place. These are huge. Yes, these are huge, huge steps to be taken. And and what I love so much about the Saks move to, to put it right next to Saks Fifth Avenue like that, mm-hmm. it's, it's them challenging the, oh the social norm. So yeah. it's they're them making saying, it a high-class item. They're making it a high-class item. They're saying we are just as, as sophisticated and wanted 
as anything in the stores mm-hmm. surrounding us. That's so fantastic. instead of putting it in these CD, and again, this is part of the problem is because county to county, they can argue, oh, we don't want a, a dispensary in our neighborhood. It forces the, the dispensaries to open up in like really terrible parts of town. So it continues the stigma. Like weed is a criminal thing. Weed is a bad thing. Weed is like where these things take place. So when you have a baller company like Men Men come out and go, uh, fuck you guys, we're going to open one right next to Saks Fifth Avenue. And of course it's in New York where that sort of rebellious nature is going to be celebrated. But that's the trend that I hope continues, you know, and it'll never happen until people start to, except that the stigma is changing. And, I, you know, it's these little baby steps that will really start to pave that. So I'm, I'm still a little confused. Is there, it's, how is it going to be a dispensary next to sex? Is that... It's medical. So they, it's medically legal in the state of New York. It's not as loose as it is in, as, or was in California where you could just mm-hmm. be like, oh, I have cramps or migraines. Give me a thing. Um, it is still pretty tough to get a medical card in the state of New York. However, our lovely, beautiful mayor ha- uh, has made it a point to be like, we are no longer like seeking out people who have weed on them, who smoke weed. Nice. Like cops have been told to back off. Like if you smell mm-hmm. weed, that's not a reason to stop someone anymore. Cool. Um, because we're starting, I, th- I really feel like hopefully New York will be the next state to kind of make that step towards recreational and just sort of bypass the uh, loose medical structure that California had. And that seems to be the new trend is these states are kind of bypassing the medical step and going straight to recreational, which is really nice. Mm. They yeah. see that tax money coming in and they're like, I want <laughs> some of that Colorado. Exactly. Money. Give me that cash. Give me that Colorado cash. Yeah, man. That goes a long way. Well, well uh, this has been fantastic. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. Is there uh, any plugs you want to throw out there to the people? Um, just follow me on Instagram. I, I don't do the Twitter, even though I should. But uh, on Instagram, yeah, you can follow me at, uh, at alu underscore who, and that's spelled A-L-U underscore W-H-O. Um, and if you're New York-based, I do a ton of improv. And if you follow me on there, you can catch up on all my improv stuff and Come say hi if you heard me on the podcast and then come to my show and we can talk about weed or something else. So. <laughs> awesome. Thank awesome. you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you, Kim, for coming thank on. Thank you, guys. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. It was cool to relive the glory days of my weed time. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. We'd love to hear about them. Yeah, and uh, you're, you're always welcome back. Thank you so much. All righty. Well, All until right. next time, that's it. There you go.